I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are in the fourth quarter of 2020. Our topic for this whole quarter is education. Yes, indeed. And the specific lesson is number three, the law as teacher. Now, talking about the law uh, in a biblical concept can sometimes be a little bit uh, uh, dicey territory to get into. It's like, oh... What are we talking about this week? And uh, maybe, Mark, you can give us some insights of what we're looking at this well, week. Well, I don't know. We're going to kind of load this up in the front, and then we'll explain it as we go. Because, okay, fair uh, enough. We're talking about the law as teacher. Um, and, and I've got this. Uh, I don't know if I have it later in the lesson or not, but it's interesting that when you go to the Old Testament, the word for law is the Hebrew word Torah, mm-hmm. and the word means instruction. Yes, it does. So, you know, think about education and the law. and mm-hmm. uh, So you'll find a lot of references. Now, last week's lesson had us go through Deuteronomy 6, and I mentioned last week that we just didn't have time to get through a lot of it, but I want to bring some of that to bear in this introduction. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 25, the Bible says, let me get it open here. Well, I tell you what, before we even dive into that, yeah. we should probably have a word of prayer we first. We should do that. And then we'll get into this introductory right, comment let's here. let's do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this week. Thank you for every day of life. And as we learn the lessons that were outlined in this uh, lesson this week, please, Lord, help the Holy Spirit to be our teacher as we prepare for a Sabbath school blessing this week. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So a little behind the scenes for our viewers. It's interesting that we, we don't do multiple takes of this. Our goal is that we're going to do this in one take. And we pray before we start, and then we pray during the video. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard. It's like... Didn't we just pray? I have people, yeah. Like, you, you didn't pray. Well, we always pray. But For sometimes sure. we pray, and then we just we just got done praying, and then it was like... Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, well, we need to introduce this one about the law. Yes. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 25, the Bible says, Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. <laughs> then it will be righteousness. You want to look at that and you want to say, I'm going to take Moses by the lapels and say, dude, this you is so legalistic. Yeah. What are you talking about? But this is the Lord's word through mm-hmm. Moses. Then it will be righteousness for us. So we're going to explain what we mean by that as we go through the lesson. Um, it's interesting that, that the expression, if we are careful to observe these commandments. This expression is found three times in Deuteronomy 6, and throughout Deuteronomy you find these expressions. It's interesting that the word careful, shamar, in the Hebrew means to hedge about or guard or protect. So Mm. to be careful, you know, make sure something gets done. Well, Mm -hmm. I'll explain in a minute. Be careful to observe. Now, to observe literally means to do or accomplish something. So so the, the language is actually saying... Make sure, guard, hedge about, make sure that you do this. Yeah. Be careful that you do this. Mm. And uh, and then it will be righteousness for you. Mm. Uh, interesting. How is that not legalism then to say, like, if you do this, you will be righteous, right? Well, I want to add to that in chapter 6, verse 1, just way back at the beginning, it says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments with the Lord, which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land. So the point so of teaching them to us was so, so that, that we, we do, can them. do yeah. them. Yet the lesson points out, and and they go to uh, Galatians three, how righteousness, if, li- if 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 the law could have given life, righteousness would have been by the law. I'm going to a different place, um, in a moment. Well, but the point is, the lesson makes out the point very clearly that the law can't save us, right. which we agree with. Uh, so in the words of the apostle in Galatians 3.19, wherefore then the law, or literally why the law. Mm-hmm. Paul makes the point in Galatians that the law can't justify us. 
Well, why? What purpose does the law serve? Why? And if it's not going to save us, then why even have it? And yeah. that's the, the point the lesson makes at the bottom of Sabbath afternoon. Uh, paragraph 3 says, This week we will study the role of God's law in the whole question of Christian education. So that's, our, that's where okay. we're going this week. So let's kind of, uh, before we dive into each point uh, individually, let's get our an overview. overarching view. What are our three takeaway talking <laughs> points for this lesson? Okay, so our first, our first point is teach your kids to fear. Ooh. Teach your kids to fear. Law and point. fear in one oh, week. Oh, that's so... switching the channel right yeah. now, Mark. <laughs> Teach your kids to fear. Number two, the law leads to Jesus. Amen. Amen. And uh, and teach your kids to fear largely is drawn from Sunday's lesson. The law leads to Jesus is largely drawn from Monday's lesson. And then finally, point number three, key point number three, the law teaches righteousness. And that's drawn primarily from Tuesday and Thursday's lesson. And I have to say... That for me personally, Wednesday's lesson talked about the toils and struggles of law keepers, basically making the point that that just because you're faithful to keep the law does not mean you're you're gonna you're gonna avoid all problems right. in life. But to me, that almost is goes an without aside. saying. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't go without saying. But it's an aside from the purpose of the lesson is the law as a teacher, mm -hmm. and it takes away my ability to teach the lesson. Okay. So you I just squarely on. I've said this before. There's certain lessons. Yeah, you know, they bring up stuff that I'm just not going to go there as a teacher. I'm going to choose to to let them study that the class member study it on their study it on your own, <laughs> but I'm not going to teach that part. My three key points are: teach your kids to fear, the law leads to Jesus, and the law teaches righteousness. Well, let's just go head on to that most controversial <laughs> phrase is teach your kids to fear. What does that possibly mean? Well, we're drawing it. Again, Sunday's lesson takes us to De Deuteronomy chapter 31. And in Deuteronomy 31, verse 13. Uh, why don't you read that for us? Sure. And this is the middle of a sentence and it says, and that... Why don't you read 12 and 13? Okay, there you go. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who's within your gates, that they may hear... And that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. And that their children, who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. A couple of different times in there. You and your kids need to learn to fear. Now, already when you talk about you've got to learn to fear, somebody's got to teach it. Mm. Right? Yeah, it's something and to be taught. And in the context, you've got to learn, and it's in the context of... Children learning to you know, the children may hear and learn to fear the law, mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. the stranger and everybody may hear and learn to fear. Mm -hmm. um, and you had yeah, and Prover out. of course we had talked about this earlier in the in the quarterly too. But Proverbs nine verse ten is that very famous passage that says yep. that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so there's something about fearing God and His ways, His laws that actually builds. A person up and educates them, teaches us. That's right. And most of our viewers are already aware that when we talk about fear in the Bible, we're talking about a reverence. Um, having said that, sometimes I think we dial this back. I, so I far that there's no, yeah. Well, fear, the idea of a reverential fear, um, first of all, the proper fear of God is a learned behavior. That's what it's telling us here. Mm -hmm. So not, not a servile fear, but at the same time, not all fear is irrational, including fear of God. You know, there are irrational fears. Like, don't be afraid of that. And, you know, we're, yeah. where we're just timid. Afraid of the dark or and something. And we're not yeah. supposed to be afraid of God that way. But we, there's rational fear. Reverential fear comes from a result of understanding. We fear things that we 
um, can, that can potentially harm us. Things mm -hmm. that are bigger than us, things that are beyond our comprehension or power, we tend to treat them yes. more respectfully and cautiously. Now, for, for example, I used to work as an electrician before I was in ministry. And I would see, I mean, there were guys that would do stuff I would be afraid to do. They'd still, you'd be on a, 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 a three-story house with this overlay, and you'd have guys up there working on the roof or nailing on a gutter, and they're leaning over the edge and hammering something. You know. But they'd come up to me, and they'd see me working on the electrical stuff, and they'd say, listen, I'll do anything else, but I won't deal with electrical stuff. I have a respect for electricity. Mm. And what they were saying is, I recognize, not that they were, they would, every time they would see they're an electrical panel or an outlet, they're like, ah. Oh. But they, what they were saying is, I understand the potential and the power in it mm -hmm. to a degree that I know I need to treat it they with respect. They had a respect. proper regard for it, yeah. And, and so that is kind of a, 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 a feeble example of mm -hmm. what it's like to understand. You know, we're in the presence of the, the creator of all mm -hmm. things. You know, the almighty God. And as you learn of that, there's a there's a an awe and respect and even people who had the most loving connected relationships with God trembled when he came oh, in. Oh, how many times do you see prophets of God or you know yes. uh, examples in scripture where someone would see the Lord and they would just fall and they would yes. be like Daniel, Isaiah, John. And it was a servile fear. No, it was just the was, natural reaction of coming in contact with the Lord. They would fall on their face. You it know? was the natural reaction of knowing God. Mm. And I've commented that that in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, there's there's a uh, you know it's kind of an allegory of yeah, Christianity, Christian and and you've got um, a lion named Aslan that represents Jesus, but he's a lion. Mm -hmm. And one of the characters, one of the conversations that one of the characters asks about Aslan, and and they said, "Is he safe?" And uh, I'm quoting now here: "Is he safe?" "Safe," said Mr. Beaver. "Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe." but he's good. And the whole mm. idea is, it's such a powerful illustration of God. Like, of course he isn't, he's, he, he could snap everything out of existence in a moment, mm -hmm. but we don't have to be afraid of him doing that because that's not who he is. Mm. But there's still something about reverencing mm -hmm. that authority. And that's the first step in our understanding of God and our approach to him. Again, like the scripture said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and thus, the Deuteronomy 31 passage where it talks about children can hear and learn to fear. It has to be, we have to paint the picture of God as realistically as we can. Not that they'll be so afraid or so cavalier, but yes. they'll have a proper regard and a proper respect and awe for who the Lord really is. Well, in the context of the law as a teacher, hearing the law introduces you to the character of God. Mm -hmm. and, and we looked at that in the last lesson. So... Uh, hearing the law is the beginning of a process of learning to reverence God. When you start to hear and understand who he is, you know, um, the Sabbath commandment points back to his creative power and everything else. And you look at the other commandments, and you see the character of God. It's, it's the platform for a proper respect for God. How can you respect God when you don't even know who he is? So, mm. Well, and that leads naturally into the second point uh, of this lesson, or at least the ones we've drawn out here is that after you teach your kids to fear, the obvious next thing is that the law leads to Jesus. Yes. That the, our connection with God is through the man and divine being Jesus Christ. And so uh, it leads us to him as a person. That's right. Um, the lesson in Deuteronomy 31 again brings up the, uh, when Moses wrote out the book of the law, there's a song of Moses here too, and there's some things intertwined together. But in 
When you come up to uh, verse 26, it says, the instruction of Moses is, take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. And so the lesson makes the point of uh, a witness against you Monday is the title of that. Mm. Well, and of course, there's some discussion on how is the law a, a witness. witness against us. Well, it's a constant reminder to us. The commandments of God are a constant reminder of how far out of sync we are with God's ideal. Mm -hmm. And the lesson takes us to Romans chapter 3, which we can look at briefly. In fact, let me just comment on it because of our, sure. our time situation. But Romans 3 verse 19 says what the law says. It says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And then further in verse 23 it says uh, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea, the imagery there, every mouth may be stopped, that what the law says, it says to those who are under law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world guilty. The idea is that the law of God condemns us for our sin, mm -hmm. you know, because we have broken it, because we're sinners, we violated it. And the natural response of the carnal heart is to justify ourselves. When somebody comes to us, so the whole idea of justification. To make excuses, to rationalize. Fact, Paul yeah. in Romans 3, he's talking about justification. And I've always made the point that you, you, you have two options. You can either justify yourself or you can let God justify you. And I'd recommend the second one. Yeah. Natural response is to justify, well, the reason I did that is, and I'm not guilty because, and yada, yada, yada. And so when the Bible says what the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped in all the world it's, there's come a, comes a point where every man stands before the law of God and every mouth is stopped. Like all your reasons, your justifications are like, but I've got a good reason for, oh, I got no it's reason. All, it's all done. It's yeah. all done. And so the law is a wit, stands there as a witness against us. And I've added that uh, the, the, in the context in Deuteronomy 31, mm -hmm. specifically the law put beside the ark was the ceremonial law. And the Apostle Paul even makes the point in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 that the ceremonial law outlined the sacrifices. They were mm -hmm. very prescriptive for, for acts of transgression. So that mm -hmm. Paul says in Hebrews um, chapter 10 verse 3 that in those sacrifices there was a reminder of sins every year. Like mm -hmm. every time you brought it, it's just witnessing that you're a sinner mm -hmm. and you've broken the law and said, so a witness against you. There's that. Well, and, and I, I like that you bring that out because oftentimes we talk about the ceremonial law as just burdensome regulations and strict, though it did outline very clearly <laughs> the crime, but it also outlined the process of redemption. That's praise exactly the Lord! Right. And so we we you want to be careful. You don't get through the ceremonial law without seeing Jesus in the law. Absolutely. He, you know, in those sacrifices, it was not only a reminder of your sin, mm -hmm. but of your Savior. Amen. And so we see that whether we're looking at ceremonial or the moral law. Right, it's not Christ or Jesus. the law; it's Christ in the law. Right, that's right. It's and beautiful. there's, and there's a the, the 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 reality in our society, and oftentimes even in the church, is that fallen humanity doesn't sense their need for Christ. We don't sense our need for Christ the way we ought to. Hmm. And the law brings us to that awareness that without Christ, I'm nothing. Without Christ, I'm lost. And so in that way, the, yeah, the law may stand as a witness against you, but in doing so, it's, and as Paul says in Galatians, our tutor unto Christ, it That's leads right. us to Christ. That realization that there is no other way leads us to right. the only way, and that's... Jesus. Well, I was just going to read that passage, Galatians yes. 3.24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, and the reason why, 
that we might be justified by faith. So it's not justified by ourselves or justified, but we, we, the law brings us to Christ so we can find faith and the whole process of redemption is outlined there. And to get rid of the law or to downplay it in any way voids its purpose, which is to draw yes. us to Christ. I wish I had the quote right in front of me, but in, uh, in the book Pilgrim's Progress, there's an account that takes place, a discussion between two characters, Christian and Hopeful. And Hopeful's talking about how he first came to Christ and just the whole wrestling he went through when he came under conviction of sin and he pled to God and he didn't feel any release. And Christian asked him, had you, have you, had you, did you ever think about just giving up? And he's like, oh, a uh, uh, hundred times, twice told. He's like, well, what kept you going? And he said, I realize that unless I obtain the righteousness of this Christ, that, that all the, all, all, anything else in the world ha could not save me. Mm. That, that, that I had to have that righteousness or I was lost. And he said, and if I was going to die, at least I would die at the throne of grace. It's mm. just a powerful, yeah. like, but that's the, that's the imagery of the law puts us right there at the foot of the cross and it, and, and it keeps us clinging to Jesus. Amen. And that it, so in that respect it, and, and we could say in more ways. Well, we're going to see that. In the well, that's time. what I'm saying. As we move to our third point here, the law teaches righteousness. So when it says it leads us to Christ, and Christ is our righteousness, those that's things, right. these are themes that are almost interchangeable, but they're definitely uh, a rich study here. So in fact, in point number two, leading, we, we, the law leads us to Jesus. Almost, we're almost looking at the the. Um, initial coming to Christ, the mm -hmm. initial realization that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But once I've come to Christ, they're still teaching and learning that the law can do through the character of Jesus, which... Well, again, I think, I'm seeing see a in funnel that. in these three points is that, number one, we have a general fear of God when we see him in the broadest sense, and then we come to Jesus, who's the best expression of that, and in yes. Christ we learn the principles of righteousness, you know. Well, and, and I think that there would be some people even now that may be watching and saying, well, wait a minute, the law teaches, Jesus teaches this righteousness, we want to contrast <laughs> the two, but let's just be very clear that Jesus is the embodiment of the law. Right. It, they're not contrary. They're not against each other. And, and it's unfortunate that Seventh-day Adventists have, have allowed yes. evangelical thinking to come in and make us downers on the law of God. And I remember it was Pastor Richard O'Phil who used to say, you know, we get into all these debates and we're constantly like, the law can't save you, the law can't save you, the law can't save you. And Elder O'Phil would say, that's a given. We, okay, we're all on the same page there. We agree. So let's ask the next question. The law can't save me. The law can't save a person. But how does a saved person feel about the law? Mm. And that's where too often we talk so negatively about the law. We, we actually disparage the law of God as much as the devil does sometimes. Mercy. And we have to be careful that, yes, the law can't save, but it is holy and just and good in the world. Right. Of the and law. it was Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 5. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. That's right. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So when we see Christ, we don't see someone who eliminates the law and sets up a new thing. He said, I'm trying to show you what the law looks like lived That's out. Right. So the law teaches righteousness. Talking point yeah. number three. And we're drawing this from Tuesday's lesson that you may prosper and Thursday's lesson with Jesus as our example. Um, again, I mentioned that the word in the, in the Old Testament for law, Torah, means instruction. Mm -hmm. And it's instruction in... Righteousness. Uh, Psalm 119, 172, David says, all your commandments are righteousness. Well, we already read. Because it doesn't just say all your commandments, but 
all your commandments, teach righteousness, show right. They say That's that right. they are righteousness. They That's are the right. description of what righteousness is, is commandments. That's yeah. right. And we read Deuteronomy 6.25, then it will be righteousness for us if we observe all these commandments. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem was we couldn't observe yeah, it in There's our one own big strength. problem. Yeah, we But can't if man could perfectly obey the law, it would be righteousness for us. It's a righteous law. Well, you think of if Adam had remained perfectly obedient to God, there would be no need of a savior because there would be no sin. He would have remained in that state of righteousness. That's right. right. Which is why you get into, I do want to look this passage up briefly, Romans chapter 7. This is really a fascinating text. Um, just building on that idea of the law being righteous, uh, uh, the commandments of God being righteousness. Look what the Apostle Paul says, of all people, in Romans chapter 7, I mean Romans chapter 10. Yeah, Romans 7, chapter 7, verse, verse 10. 10. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and read it? You got it there and I'm turning to it. Okay. It says, and the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. Now, this is a fascinating, <laughs> and of course, we're not going to break down the whole passage. But notice that in the words of Paul, the commandment was designed to, to bring, bring life. life. Just a couple other comparisons. New International Version says it was intended to bring life. The English Standard says it promised life. The New American Standard Bible says, which was to result in life. Mm. So... So the commandment was designed to bring life. It was ordained to life, it says in the King James. The problem was that fallen man can't keep it. Mm. And, and we'll, we'll flesh that out in a minute. But along those lines, Tuesday's lesson that you may prosper brings up in Joshua 1.7. He's mm -hmm. talking about in the land where the Lord is leading you, keep these commandments that you may prosper. Um, Deuteronomy 6 verses 2 and 3, that your days may be prolonged that it may be well with you. You'll always find these very positive statements about why did God want us to keep the law? Right. It'll be a blessing to you. It's going to be, it's ordained to life, like the apostle yeah. said. So the law was not a punitive thing that God put in there, or a restrictive thing as some sort of disciplinary measure. liberating. It, but somehow, if we were to follow it, we would have a better life. And not just, and I think even Christians mm -hmm. sometimes view it as like, okay, I don't have to obey to get righteous, but a righteous person does obey. But in that obedience, it's kind of going to be a grind and a hassle, but it'll at least get me to heaven. Right. Right. Or at least it'll do with the thing. But the reality is that these are talking about people who, if you do this, your life here That's will be right. better. It's going to be more prosperous. It's going to be more, uh, uh, you know, life and life more abundantly. Right. right. It's better. And so I don't know why we've become so uh, <laughs> so mean to the law. When, Nelly, when, it, when it comes it, to the law. Yes. We're just all down on... Well, because the law is, and even in the New Testament, the law is holy, just, and good. So there's never been a problem with the law. The problem was with us, right? Yeah, and, and, and of course, Jesus, I delight to do thy law, yeah. oh my God. I delight to do, do thy, thy will, because thy, thy law is within, within my heart. heart. I mean, uh, David delighted in the commandments of God. They're my meditation all yeah. the day. Like, that's a puzzling to some of us today, yeah. but it should be our joy and rejoicing. Uh, the fact that it's not in us to obey it just means we need the righteousness of Christ. Mm -hmm. For what reason? So that we can live in harmony. Exactly. With we that. can fulfill those beautiful laws that God outlined. Yeah. And yeah, more could be said on that. So, you know, I have in the note that uh, God's law has never been the problem. And the Apostle Paul goes on in Romans 7:14 to say the law is spiritual, but we are carnal. Okay, mm. the spiritual thing was never the problem. The carnal thing is the problem. And that's what salvation and redemption is to fix. But the law was ordained to life, which means the principles of it are life-giving, are positive. Uh, the lesson on Tuesday in the read section references James 2, 10 to 12, which calls it the law of liberty, which is kind of mm -hmm. what we were just talking about. 
Well, and we kind of mentioned this before, but when Jesus came, he didn't just uh, espouse the law or explain the law. He actually uh, exemplified the law. He taught it, you know, and, and there's a whole day's lesson on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, it says, Jesus, our example. And the fourth paragraph down, it says, as teachers, what better role model can we present to students than the model of Jesus and how he obeyed the Father? Right. It's not like Christ said, that old law, let me show you. And he just started right. knocking things over. He's, he went out of his way to demonstrate fidelity to God's law. Jesus had many very positive uh, uh, and very straight things to say about the law. You know, not one jot or tittle will pass away, you know, so... Mm-hmm. I've kept my father's commandments, et cetera. And what a, what a fascinating uh, point here. What better role model? Like, yeah, <laughs> Jesus kept his father's law and he was positive about it. If I'm a follower of Jesus and I want to teach Jesus to my children, <laughs> why would I teach them anything else? Mercy. So, of course, we witness in the life of Christ the beauty of the law. You know, mm-hmm. I get, and I don't have time to get into this, but people say, well, the Pharisees kept the law and they were nasty. No, they didn't didn't keep the law. Jesus himself said, Moses gave you the law, yet none of you keeps the law. Mm. Stephen in his address said to the Sanhedrin said that you received the law by the... uh, Angels, uh, yeah. By the ordination of angels, whatever, and and you have not kept it. They kept their rules and their twisted ideas of the Mm -hmm. law. Jesus is the one. He told them, you didn't keep the law. You haven't kept it. But he said, I've kept my Father's commandments. And we see in the life of Jesus what the fruit of a life is that actually is an obedience law. Now, we see the beauty of it. As soon as we, I don't think that there's anyone who's going to object and say like, well, I mean, of course, Jesus can't look at Jesus as a bad example of the law. He was perfect, right? But that very acknowledgement that Jesus was perfect might be one of those things to say, well, we really can't look to Jesus' example because come on, mm-hmm. he was Jesus and we're in a different position. Mm-hmm. When the reality is that Christ's obedience, as we have it in the notes here, wasn't automatic. It's not like he came into the world and just right. always... Did. The Bible, though previous lessons talk about it, doesn't say much about his development. It does speak about his growth not from sinner to saint, right. but a character that always was enlarging, expanding. I mean, for instance, you think of the quintessential passage about he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Right. He had to grow into an appreciation. I can't totally explain yeah. it, but that's I what don't Scripture understand. says. It's true. And, and the lesson brings that out, Luke 2, 51, 52, and also brings out Hebrews 5, 8. He learned obedience yeah. through the things that he suffered. Yeah. I can't totally <laughs> I don't know how the works. learned obedience. But you, you have in his humanity... I, I, what I get from that is it wasn't automatic for him to just naturally do it was good. Right. He had to plead in Eden, uh, in Eden, in <laughs> Gethsemane, yeah. that, uh, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Right. Every I mean, part of his humanity in that moment had to be saying, there's got to be a better way, a different way. And yet he said, I'm going to suppress that. He had to choose to he obey chose. his father. That's right. And so we see that, that Jesus embodies the law. And we, you know, that 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 he he really elevates, as the word as Isaiah had said, he mm. elevates the law. And we see that Jesus kept the commandments, and we see what his life was. It should elevate in our minds the importance of teaching the commandments that they're the principles that that uh, uh, are exuded in Christ's character. And then finally, um, the lesson highlights salvation and obedience, and it asks the question. On Friday, there's a discussion question. It says, how do we strike the right balance in showing the importance of obedience to the law of God and at the same time showing why this obedience is not the source of our salvation? Again, getting the idea that 
you know, well... How do we teach this without over-teaching it beyond what we mean to teach? Kind of if like we're not saved by obedience, it's almost to say, if, if we're not saved by obedience, why obey? Mm. But I think it, it's... I put it this way. You know, we... Sin is transgression of God's law. And we're saved. Salvation is saving us from sin. Okay? That doesn't just include saving us from our past transgression. That's saving us from present transgression. In other words, mm -hmm. saved, nobody's going to be breaking the law of God in heaven. So the salvation process is restoring humanity to obedience. Mm -hmm. We're saved for obedience. And in fact, the, the lesson brings out Romans chapter 1 and verse 5, Romans mm -hmm. 16, 25, and 6, that both make that point. Mm -hmm. We're saved for obedience. So ask the question like, well, we can't, we can't be saved by obeying, so why obey? That we're saved to obey. Yeah, we're almost we're like, almost implanting in the question a little snideness toward the law that's not intended. If I'm a sure, person but, doesn't yeah. obey God, can we say they've been saved? Well, this is comment. You it's can find just, this on yeah. uh, the bottom of Thursday's lesson there from Steps to Christ, page sixty-one. Yes. That so-called faith in Christ, which professes to release men from the obligation of obedience to God, is not faith but presumption. By grace are ye saved through faith, but faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Jesus said of himself before he came to the earth, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. And just before he ascended again to heaven, he declared, I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The scripture says, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to so walk, even as he walked. Mm. So, I mean, this is loaded with scripture in there, but to make the point that a, a, a walk with Christ is not a walk away from the law, but you become like Christ who kept the law and delighted in it. That's right. I think that we suffer from the idea sometimes that, that, that law, keeping the commandments is some very um, Almost an antiquated or some sort of... Not yeah. just antiquated, kind of impersonal, kind of like, yeah, I know people who keep the law. They're the mean people. You know, that you're always... You're self-important all this... And so I love the statement that is in the quarterly on Friday, the second paragraph from Education, page 16. It says, love, the basis of creation and of redemption, is the basis of true education. This is made plain in the law that God has given us as the guide of life. The guide of life. The law of love calls for the devotion of body, mind, and soul to the service of God and our fellow men. And this service, while making us a blessing to others brings the greatest blessing to ourselves. Unselfishness underlies all true development. Through mm. unselfish service, we receive the highest culture of every faculty. Mm. More and more fully do we become partakers of the divine nature. We are fitted for heaven, for we receive heaven into our hearts. This is what law-keeping really looks Oof. like, and it's just a powerful statement yeah. of, and what is that but a picture of the character of Christ? Beautiful. Powerful stuff and plenty to cover in this week's yes. discussion at Sabbath School. So friends, we've enjoyed this. We hope you've been blessed and I hope your Sabbath School classes will be a benefit uh, from this study. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this study. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us enough to teach us and communicate with us and by your grace to restore us into the very image of Jesus. Please, Lord, help us to learn of you. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.